I think I did pretty good in there. Yeah, you know, those Germans aren't so bad. Sure, they made mistakes in the past, but ah, that's why pencils have erasers. Attention, workers. We have completed our evaluation of the plan. We regret to announce the following layoffs, which I will read in alphabetical order. Simpson, Homer. That is all. Hello, and welcome to The Simpsons Countdown, the podcast where we go back to the beginning and watch all of The Simpsons, tracing the creative evolution of the series and counting down to find the exact moment in which it began its downhill journey into irrelevance. I'm Eric's Antoine, and this week I'm joined by the delightful Jim Laskowski, whose show, The Director's Club, is one of my favorite podcasts. We'll be discussing Burns for Kaufman der Kraftwerk, which originally aired on December 5th, 1991. The episode was written by John Vitti and directed by Mark Kirkland. In this episode, Mr. Burns is feeling bored and blue, and so decides to sell the power plant to German investors. The new owners immediately fire Homer due to incompetence. Burns eventually comes to realize that the power plant was what got him fear and respect in Springfield, and without it, he's just a hated millionaire and nothing more. So he buys the power plant back. And that's that. This episode has become a classic primarily because of one surreal sequence in which Homer dreams of the land of chocolate. But it has other pleasures to its credit. In a moment, Jim and I are going to get into it. So, without further ado... Here we go. This is my offer. I think you'll find it's most unfair, but those are the breaks. But, uh, Mr. Burns, this is half of what we paid you. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, Mr. Burns. You win, but beware. We Germans aren't all smiles and sunshine. Ooh, the Germans are mad at me. I'm so scared. Ooh, the Germans. Uh-oh, the Germans stop are coming to get stop me. Stop teasing us. Oh, don't let the Germans come after Please me. Please stop the pretending oh, you're scared the game. Stop it. No, they're so big and stop strong. It. Stop, stop it, Mr. Burns. Stop Burn. pretending you're scared of us. Please stop. Burn, stop it. I don't know how you're going to do the entire Simpsons run. I mean, there's just oh. so many episodes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, yes, I know. Yes, I mean, uh, the, I think everyone asks that, so I'll just tell you that up front. Like, uh, my plan is not to do the whole run. Uh, the It's called The Simpsons Countdown for a reason. It's called The Simpsons Countdown because I'm counting down. I'm going back to the beginning and sort of counting down to find the moment where it quote unquote jump the shark you know like where oh, right. okay. where it starts to decline like where what's the moment like is it one moment is it a season is it like what is it so like once I find that point that's basically where I would say alright here's where we stop and I predict that that point will be towards the end of the 90s so I'm thinking about season 9 or 10 like that's where I'm thinking this is kind of as far as it goes in terms of maintaining you know that quality that they maintained um and that's because my theory is that the simpsons apart from being you know a a landmark comedy series i think at its best is a time capsule of the 90s so it's like it's it's like a chronicle of the 90s in a sense because it started at the beginning of the 90s like the you know the first episode aired it was a christmas special and then it premiered in january of 1990 
And so it essentially, you look at that, at least at the first nine or 10 seasons, you've got there a, a perfect time capsule of what the 90s is. And you go back and you watch it and you still, you see it there from like a socio-political, socio-economic and cultural, of course, level. It's all there. And so that's sort of my my goal with this. So I'm not... I will not be doing all 750 episodes that <laughs> exist. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not, I, basically, this podcast will not last 30 years. And at the rate I'm going, I'm, you know, I've, I've probably, I, I predict, you know, if, if everything goes well and, and I keep doing it, I guess in about five or six years, I would probably have reached, you know, season 10 or so. And that that's probably where I'm like, all right, you know, I think I've, I think I've said my piece about The Simpsons. And then, you know, I might come back from time to time and just do like a one-off, you know, of like random episodes from subsequent seasons that might be noteworthy to talk about. But apart from that, I, yeah, I don't see myself covering the whole run. I just don't think that that's possible. No, I, so. I think you'd, you'd be totally burnt out at, <laughs> at some point. And plus you'd be watching some relatively uh, mediocre to bad episodes later on. Because uh, they don't get they don't they don't get the kind of respect and love that they used to, but like like a lot like Saturday Night Live, they're still kicking, you know, they're still around. Yeah, yeah, no, they they are, they definitely are, and I have a feel like I was uh, having this conversation with someone a couple of days ago, you know, like a, a chat, uh, one of those Facebook chat whatevers, and someone brought up the well, how much longer are they going to keep going? Because like they they recently announced how like Harry Shearer, for example. Uh, Harry Shearer will no longer be voicing Dr. Hibbert. And, you know, they, they recently changed Apu. They've got somebody else to do their voice. And mm -hmm. we were discussing that. And that's, you know, that's a topic for another time. But but essentially, um, the conversation turned to, well, how many more seasons has this been renewed for? I mean, what's the, you know, how much longer are they going to keep it going? And we were all saying, well, now it's a Disney property. And it's like a hot IP. They're going to keep on doing it for as long as it generates money, essentially. They're going to keep it's so somebody was said so forever, basically, you know, and, you know, the answer to that is probably I mean, this thing is probably going to keep going much like SNL. It's going to continue going and going and going. They will probably eventually I mean, they'll have to, I guess, um, cast new actors and to do the voices. <laughs> and uh, I guess I mean, it, it, it's it's unimaginable at this point, you know, like I, I can't I can't imagine anyone but Dan Castellaneta and Julie Kavner and Nancy Carter, you know, like the, the, the main cast. I can't imagine anyone else doing those voices. But, you know, there's a lot of voice actors out there. Surely you can bring someone in to essentially just do imitations and continue. I mean, they did that with the Flintstones. They've done, they've done that with Looney Tunes and all the Disney characters. So, yeah, I think the Simpsons are going to be around for the rest of our lives in one way or another. Wow. I mean, they're, they're here to stay. That's uh, that's something that's just something to keep in mind. That's either something ominous or something joyful, depending on uh, where you stand on the issue. And this is your first time uh, here on the podcast, uh, Jim. And I would like to take that opportunity to have you sort of before we get into the episode that we're going to talk about today. It would be cool if you uh, detail a little bit of your relationship with The Simpsons relationship or or lack thereof. Uh, with with the Simpsons. Well, it's definitely an interesting experience because I believe we were watching the Simpsons. Well, pretty much me and my dad. My mom never got into it, but my dad and I, we we share the same sense of humor, and I think we were watching it pretty much right from the first episode. Uh, and I think there was there was a lot of hype built around it, and 
I think I think Fox just knew how to market things, and we were probably watching other shows at the time. And whenever we'd see commercials for it, we'd we find it funny or whatever. So we're like, we should probably watch that now. And then we got hooked on it, and I liked it. I certainly liked it. You know, when I was younger, this is probably like junior high or something. And but it really wasn't around. It wasn't really until about season four, when you know some rather interesting names that I didn't know at the time, someone like Conan O'Brien would join the writing staff. And that's when I began to love the Simpsons. Like I thought it was the best show on TV. Like I just thought nothing else is, you know, this funny, this clever, this satirical, this smart in terms of writing from that point on, like maybe season four to season eight or nine, even I, I was, the Simpsons was my show and I look forward to it every Sunday you know, up front, my sense of humor is definitely subversive and weird and surrealist at times. You know, like I like, you know, what David Wayne and the guys from the state did and Kids in the Hall, Money Python, SCTV. Like, that's kind of how I grew up, like watching mm-hmm. all that. So when The Simpsons are pretty straightforward with their comedy, I don't laugh out loud as much. But when they get weird, that's when I, that's, that's what clicks with me more. So once we get to like the Cape Fear parody, which was also written by John Beatty, who wrote this episode, that's that's more along the lines like weird things that just happen out of nowhere. Uh, Homer going on his spiritual journey, the, the the episode where he goes back in time with a toaster, yeah. <laughs> the X the Files parody, which could be my favorite. Um, you know, so th- <laughs> those are my jams right around there. So like season three is definitely good. And I'm sure there's a lot of highlights throughout this entire season. Certainly a lot of episodes when I went when I looked at the season proper and I kind of went, oh, that's a good episode, that's a good episode, and that's a good episode. And we're going to talk about a pretty good episode, I'll say. Um, yeah. But again, my personal favorites aren't until later, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I get you. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think um, I basically agree with you. I mean, I... I I'm going to, I think we're about the same age, you and I. So that means that we probably, our experience must be very similar in terms of watching the show, right? Where we started watching it essentially from where it first came out and then, you know, sort of grew up with it. And at some point we tapered off for different reasons. I, I would, I, if I were to ask you when you stopped watching regularly, I'm going to assume that your answer is going to be about 20 years ago. And would I be correct? Correct. Um, I can pinpoint it. I don't think I stopped watching, but there was a Simpsons episode involving the death of Ned Flanders' wife. That was one of the first episodes I remember going, wow, I don't think that was very good. (laughs) So to me, like that might have been the jump the shark moment, but you'll obviously find that out for yourself. But I think around that point, and probably the season after that is when I stopped. So I'll have to look and see what season specifically that was. But there's definitely there's definitely so many great episodes you're going to get to that I'll, I'll be happy to listen to or, or talk more about with you. But at the same time, there's there's so much, you know, pop culture content imbued into every episode where it's like, oh, there's a reference to this, there's a gag. It almost reminds me of the Zucker, Zucker Abrams, Zucker kind of style of like yeah. throwing a lot of gags against the wall and seeing what sticks. 
that you know you can certainly just even pinpoint oh this was clever and this was clever but that's kind of like that sort of more manic energy like the show just evolved i think and then devolved to the point of oh now most episodes are bad and if you read the av club they still review pretty much every simpsons episode i think just like just like saturday night live they review every episode and most of the time it's below a B minus for the Simpsons. Like once in a while, if they, if they give an episode like a B plus, I might even consider trying to watch it because that's rare. <laughs> that's very rare for a new Simpsons episode to get a high grade. Right. Yeah. No, I, and that's basically the consensus that now it's become a sort of thing where, you know, uh, it's just there, but it's yeah. no longer a source of a, it's something that's there. You know, uh, I imagine the ratings must be stable it continues to be a cash cow for the company, so obviously they keep it there. But in terms of it generating the sort of acclaim and impact that it did consistently for about a decade, that's no longer the case. It no longer is something important. It's no longer something like a culture signifier anymore. And and I can't comment on it because I see like you you've read uh, some AV Club reviews that are and you know I I haven't but. I do know that a general consensus is that it's just not as good as it used to be. And in fact, much, you know, not only is it not as good, it's, it's just plain bad now, but you will occasionally get some diamonds in the rough, even now, right? Occasionally they'll pull some brilliant episode out and be like, Oh wow, that, that was really funny. And so, and that's sort of what I was saying at the start, right? That maybe even after I'm done sort of chronicling its, its first eight or nine seasons, maybe I will jump in and be like, oh, well, this episode from season such and such is actually pretty good and worth watching. Or that would be a good idea. I think because yeah. now like everything's on Disney Plus, right? So yeah, it's all there. So it's like there. like there was an episode titled, um, it might have been from one of the more recent seasons in the past couple of years called The Hateful Eighth Graders or something. <laughs> and okay. I was like, that's a clever title. I'll watch that. And it was okay. It was again like, you know, a B minus episode right. but yeah. again like you know the, if they come up with a clever concept or premise and if you're you know bored at home or if you're just looking for something to kill a half an hour i could see you going through the latter seasons and just looking and you know doing some research as to what are considered some of the better episodes of recent years because i'm sure they're out there it's just that it, much like the guided by voices uh, discography, it can get overwhelming, you know, huh. to like, sure, because it's sure. just so much. But I also don't want to spend time going through an entire season if most of the episodes are pretty, pretty lame. And that's again, like you mentioned, the consensus right now. But at least early on, you, you, get, you, you, get, you get a solid run of great episodes, so never a dull yeah. moment because I'm watching it, you know, I, I, I watch an episode, I'm going through it because. This was born out of that. I got, I got a subscription to Disney Plus, and I was like, "Well, you know, I've got the whole, I've got all the Simpsons. It's, it's all here for my, for me to enjoy." And, you know, I've, I stopped watching about twenty years ago regularly, so I have no idea what's even gone on with this show outside of like one or two isolated episodes that I might have seen here and there. So I thought, like, here's an opportunity for me to just go ahead and watch it all. And, and yes, 
it may get to a point where I'll like, you know what? I think I'm just not going to watch this episode. I'll just skip this one. I'll skip this one. I'll skip, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But my plan is actually me personally. Yes, I'll probably watch all of them. I won't podcast about all of them, of course, but I will personally watch all of them because it's it's 20 minutes. You know, I can have it on in the background, you know, in the morning when I'm sort of starting the day or whatever. It doesn't have to be something that I devote my full attention to. So I can definitely go through it all. And I don't know how long that'll take, but it'll it'll, it'll take what it'll take. Uh, and I do know that I'll probably end up suffering quite a bit, but at least I'll know. At least I'll be like, well, now I understand. Now I understand why, where and why this started to sort of taper off. Because much like you, I mean, there was a time through, you know, in the 90s where I would have told you this was the best show on television. You know, I, mm -hmm. I would have said that. I would have been like, this was, that is it. And for the same reasons you said, you know, because nothing is this funny, nothing is this clever. Uh, and I think that the consensus also was that, at, you know, for a time, this was considered like it was being created by the best comedy writers uh, working at that time. You know, the... Uh, some of the best writers, uh, some of the best comedy writers working at that time and delivering consistent quality week after week. And it took its time to get there. I mean, it it made a, a cultural uh, impact right away from the first season and even into the second season. Go back and watch some of those episodes and they're not great. Um, they're not terrible, but they're not great. Uh, yeah, it took a while to find its footing. And like any great, yeah. like most shows, you know, I think. Yeah. They're yeah. not strong right at the start, unless you're like a Breaking Bad or Sopranos or something. Right, right. It was the sort of thing where it was popular right away because it was something new. And, you know, for its for its time, it was refreshing to see a show like that with that quirky style and going into those dark places that most sitcoms don't go and so on. So that off the bat, that was good. But it was, it took a moment to really sort of break away from the sitcom trappings and become its own thing and become its own unique thing that would then be influential in its own right. And one of the reasons why it ultimately tapered off, I guess, is because of that, because it was so influential that then once other shows, cartoon and live action shows, started to do what The Simpsons was doing and maybe started to do it in some cases better, you know, like you look at something like Arrested Development, which it's taking a page from the Simpsons playbook, oh, yeah. but, it, but it's going off in its own amazing directions and creative directions. And you go, okay, well, this is, and it's coming out, you know, at pretty much the moment in which the Simpsons is starting to taper off. So you go like, okay, well now, you know what? I mean, I used to be all about the Simpsons, but now I'm all about, you know, the Bluths. I think that's sort of what ended up happening to the show. That's what I mean by like at once there was a time when it was this unique sort of thing. And then other people started to do the same thing and do better versions of it. And so you, the attention starts to go elsewhere. And then the Simpsons sort of becomes, it is just an institution that sort of just stays there. So, you know, that's, that's where we are with it. People definitely got hooked on like family guy and South park, but I don't know, man, so, that was almost like too much manic energy for me. Like there are definitely great episodes of those shows and I've seen <clears throat> plenty of them, but at the same time, I just, so some of it rubbed me the wrong way, or some of it was just a little mm -hmm. it forced, I would say. Like, just tried so hard at times that, you know, to either with South Park to make statements or, you know, to be satirical. And sometimes they were successful, but I don't know. I, I, I'm always going to, in terms of like the really hot, popular animated shows of this era, it's going to, it's, it's still going to be The Simpsons, even though I just looked it up. You were right. Pretty much 21 years. 
almost to the day is when that uh, the Death of Maud episode aired. Uh, season 11, episode 14, aired on February 13th, 2000. And that's around the time when I said, hmm, maybe I won't watch The Simpsons as much anymore. No, it's 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 crazy, but it makes sense. Like, uh, and and the thing is that, and I agree with you one hundred percent. I think, uh, like, I enjoy. I'm one of the people who doesn't hate Family Guy. I enjoy it and still enjoy it whenever I catch it. Like, I don't watch it regularly, but I do occasionally. You know, if it's on, I'll be like, all right, I'll watch this, and I I get I get laughs out of it. It's fine. And same with South Park. I mean, I think those shows they can often be very funny. They can often be very good, but at their best. They are still not, they're never going to be as good, at least not in my mm-hmm. opinion, never going to be as good as The Simpsons was at its best. Yes. Like, they're never going to reach that level of quality. They they can be excellent in their own right. They can have their own things going on. But that there's something very special about The Simpsons, and that's why it's worth talking about. And, including this episode, yeah, yes. Including this episode, yes. We could finally get to it, uh, like finding the way to segue into it. But um, as you said, this is not. This is still the third season where we're like on an uptick. But as you were saying, this is a very funny episode, right? So let's talk about this episode. Let's talk about uh, what we think, and we can kind of go a little bit in order. The one, the first thing I wanted to mention is one thing that you see in this episode is how its first act is basically a typical Simpsons setup where it seems to be about one thing. You know, it's, it's about Homer's stock. Like, that's basically what it revolves around before switching gears. But that whole first act, which sets up the rest of the episode, uh, is very funny in its own right and has lots of really interesting gags. Yeah, the problem for me, though, I think... I've never been a really huge fan of Mr. Burns. Like, I mean, obviously he's a he's he's just a villain, but I guess I never really cared about why is he is the way he is or why he's going through an existential crisis at the beginning. It's just, I don't know. I he's he he obviously he has moments like pretty much every character does on this entire show, but he's just always kind of just been you know there as a reliable villain and not much more. So maybe. The writers said, "You know what? We should give we should give Burns some vulnerability here, you know." And I thought that's really interesting because I'm not a fan of Mr. Burns, but if you can sell it, go for it. And I think they I, th- I think they do more or less. I think they sort of give him a little bit of depth in what he's going through, and like, you know, it's kind of silly, but that <laughs> that line where he's like saying, "What good is money if it can't inspire terror in your fellow man?" <laughs> I think kind of sums right. it up. His revelation at the end that he that yeah. ultimately like the his position of power, you know that's where it's really at. Uh, that is an interesting notion, and but it's a thing that like here, here's what I'll say about that because the the premise of this episode is pretty. You said it, silly. It is when you think about it, mm-hmm. and it seems like the sort of thing. Here we are in season three. I think a later episode, like a later season, might have handled this story from a different angle. From like a deeper angle because i was thinking about it and i go like so the premise is that burns is depressed so he sells the plant right that's essentially it that's the reason he sells it because he's depressed and he's like he wants a change of air he doesn't want to be in charge of the plant anymore he sells it and then he he discovers he needs it and he buys it back and that's the episode right and i think that uh, yeah, it, it observes other things that obviously it goes into some other areas. But I think that another, a later episode might have been deeper from the start. 
like it, it would have not it wouldn't have been based around something so frivolous did you catch my drift yeah 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 no definitely and you know i think you know launching right into what homer goes through with his stock is is is, is pretty clever and honestly i had no idea that was phil hartman as the stockbroker like oh, i really? usually can i usually can spot him uh, <laughs> i usually can tell but i guess he he really like you know, he, he gruffed up his voice and made it like, <laughs> like you know, essentially just this old dude sitting in a, in, in an empty office practically, uh, and, and just that character was. I mean, like Phil Hartman is, he's a genius in every way. Like he elevated SNL, and he elevates any Simpsons episode that he contributes to. So. Just that that scene alone is very well done, and I like the fa- I like the fact that he just sells it for twenty five dollars when he could have gotten a lot more. Right. That's, well, he doesn't let him finish. Hard. He doesn't. He doesn't let him finish. He's going like, well, let me put it this way: if you sell now, you'll get twenty five dollars. He's like, yes, twenty five dollars. I'm like, are you kidding yeah. me? Just let him finish. Let him finish. Sell, that, sell, sell. Yeah, that's that's really funny. The thing is that like he um, uh, it's funny you brought up that scene because I love that little exchange they have where. You know, he's like, so your stocks. And he goes like, all right. So he goes like, well, you know, first we got to do a little small talk. And then they have this little like sort of back and forth. That's a very clever, funny moment. But the one bit from that that stayed with me, I still use it, is when he when he goes like, everybody alive? And that that every that everybody alive thing, like that was the like, you know, when I, I watched this episode when it aired. And that that was like the first time, I guess, that that phrasing had made an impact on me. And I began to use it in my daily life, like when I would talk to people. So you should probably be careful saying that now in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I, I, it's not. It's not really something that I. I mean, to be fair, I, I haven't really uttered it for a while. I uttered it like throughout the '90s. It's not. You know, I've I've gone through variations of greetings, but there was a yes. time when when my when my common greeting was. Uh, I mean, not now. My common greeting tends to be "house things." Like that's usually what I'll say. Like "house things." And then I think that's a more sort of uh, neutral, you know, yes, everybody alive doesn't sound like it, it, it could be unnecessarily provocative is said today. You have you have uh, you're absolutely right, uh, because you might you might run into the one person who's like everybody alive is. Like, well, you know, actually, my uh, yeah. my wife, my wife passed away last week. Big yeah. Oops. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so yeah, that you're right about that. But um, that's a very funny scene. It's funny that you didn't you didn't recognize him as Phil Hartman. Uh, I, know, I usually do. I, it's, it's like he's very distinctive. Yeah, right? he is. But he's you know obviously like someone like when Albert Brooks shows up. Oh, you know it's him. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't, no, do in whole, case, absolutely. doesn't do a whole lot to like manipulate his voice or change it in any way. Yeah, not much. I think I think when you say Phil Hartman, when you when you talk about him being very distinctive, I think it's because, I mean, Phil Hartman was himself an impersonator when he did comedy like on SNL and other, other things. But um, on The Simpsons, he did kind of have this standard, uh, the, you know, the 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 radio announcer. Troy McClure. Right. Yeah. That like the radio announcers, like, like Troy McClure or Lionel Hutz. You know, like the, those are like his two sort of recurring characters that always showed up, and there is a sort of recognizability. You go like, "Yep, that's Phil Hartman." There you go. That's you know that the sort of arrogant, uh, you know that that particular inflection and pitch that he brings to the voice, which he would also do in his comedy. He would also bring that like when he. So I, I know what you mean by the you know the recognizable Phil Hartman voice. 
But it's, is it the only voice he does in the episode? I think or, or does he like... Oh, no, he, he does... Maybe he does uh, Horst. I think he um, does. Like, I, I was pretty sure, like... Because, you know, you're going to bring Phil Hartman in. You want him to do a little more than just, like... You know, he's sort of a utility player on SNL, and they kind of use him as a utility yeah. player on The Simpsons. He was essentially an honorary cast member. Because he, he'd come in a lot, and he'd do, like, these little random little voices. You know, so, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he does Horst. I think he does Horst. And if it isn't Horst, it's you know, one of the other Germans. Now, going back to this, when I was talking about the the shallowness of the episode, right? I guess what I meant to say was that I feel like there's an opportunity, right, to delve into uh, corporate politics, which I'm not sure the episode really takes that opportunity. I mean, it's very funny, and there's lots of great moments, but I don't know that it really says anything about you know, the concept of international corporations infiltrating the U.S., for example, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I think there's there's room to have that talk, especially at the time in which this episode was, was made and aired. There's certainly room for that discussion. And uh, I don't know that the episode really covers that. What do you think? I don't think so as much. I, I think it really focuses on Mr. Burns and Homer as almost like codependent uh, on, on like just having that particular job for Homer, even though he's not good at it, and yeah. Mr. Burns must have his plant in order to, you know, manage the power that he's always had. And he do, he feels like, you know, he's he can't he can't just you know retire. He's he's never going to be that kind of person. He's he's always got to be uh, in charge of something and controlling somebody. So I think like that really is the main focus. It's more character focused. And then coming up with some sort of socio-political statement or commentary on corporations merging or taking over or buying out other corporations or anything like that, which is a surprise because I think the Simpsons delve into satire and certainly do that successfully throughout their show. But I, I almost feel like that's kind of a flaw here is that they don't really do that. It's more just more gag driven and not that that's a bad thing either because there are funny bits, but yeah, I just, I don't think it's very deep. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and like, it's interesting that they chose uh, the people who are coming up, the people who end up buying the plant. It's interesting. They chose Germans and not like Japanese, which some people might say, well, if it had been Japanese, that would be a cliche, but it's, it would also be more reflective of reality. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't know. Like that's interesting. I wonder why the writers chose to make them German. You yeah, know, that, that I, is a good question. It, it's I, because that part. It's okay. It's German. You know, yeah. the only thing that you end up to, that they can do, and they, I mean, they would have been able to do this if it had been Japanese, also. But um, the one thing that they can maybe focus on is the work ethic, the difference in work ethic. Sure. So obviously. They you know, they, they definitely mention it and, and they, you know, the Germans come in and they, they buy the, the plant, which then once they're there, once they're, they have control of it, they realize that it's, it's going to be more costly to fix it and to bring it up to code to the way they would want to be running it than it would be for them to, you know, you know, it's, it's, they see that it's just a mess. And so you see the, and what you brought up before, like Homer, who is clearly an incompetent. Okay. Like that's. There's no, yeah. we don't have any doubt of this. We know that the show highlights this. He has a job for which he's not suited. 
uh, he's essentially a commentary on mediocrity. That's essentially what it is, you know, uh, conformity and mediocrity. And that's that's what Homer represents as a worker. He has this position uh, and that's what it is. And he's not suited for it, but it's a job that he gets to keep. And even though he's not very good at it. So, you know, the Germans come in and they, they kick him out because they realize he's an incompetent. He's the only one that they kick out, which is a, obviously one of the classic gags in that episode. Um, it basically is one of those things that's become a quotable thing where even like it, it becomes a workplace gag. You know, like uh, I don't know how often you've worked in, a, in, in an environment like that where, you know, in a corporate environment. I've worked a couple of times in, in corporate environments. And so that whole thing about we, we regret to announce the following layoffs in alphabetical order. And then you just like you just throw out like one person, like one yep. person's name and then say that is all. That is certainly a gag that um, I repeated several times in my corporate environment whenever I was working in a situation like that. There's like little weird things like that. Again, like that to me is like the land of Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker, like top secret or you know, just like throwing in weird things to see if people pick up on them. They're, that's kind of why it's so great to rewatch Simpsons episodes, because you'll likely see something or pick up on something that you didn't necessarily notice the first time. That's actually the gift. You're right. Comparing it to Zucker, Abraham Zucker, like that's, that's a good point, because it is the sort of thing where uh, what there's like a there's a name there's a term for this. Is it called yeah. like v VCR television or like like VCR? You know the the implication being that people recorded episodes of it. You know they they, they were recording it so they could rewatch them and rewatch them and rewatch them. And so you could actually pause. And if you like you know you pause a, a an image and really look at a scene and in a, in a given scene you will sometimes find gags even just visual gags that are just right there that are funny, but you miss them the first time if you're just watching, if you're just watching it. So every time you watch it, you'll pick up something new. That is true. That is one of the gifts of the Simpsons. Yeah. And the sycophantic German uh, tapes is totally a Zucker thing. I think there's probably even an example of that in one of their movies of somebody listening. Maybe it isn't top secret of somebody listening to, um, you know, some language help tapes, you know, so you can learn how to speak another language. Yeah, but, and, but uh, very specific, like very specific yeah. language, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, because I, like I've worked as an English teacher, like for, you know, English as a foreign language. I've worked as, a, as an English teacher as a foreign language. And they do have stuff like that, you know, where it's like, oh, legal English or, you know, business, <laughs> business English, like business language. You know, uh, when it's like classes that are tailored to a specific field and so like that so you can sense. learn yeah. you know learn terms so it was just funny you know like sycophantic sycophantic german you know just, just like i'm sure that berlitz has books on like business german and you know uh, medical and, and legal and all that but um but they probably don't have sycophantic but of course somebody like smithers would benefit from learning sycophantic german yes and of course one of the biggest highlights of the whole episode was something that I don't even think was in the original script, uh, the land of chocolate and including the hint they were originally going to have a road sign that read Hershey highway on there. Oh yes. Yes. That's a, that's a joke that uh, standards and practices probably said, yeah, no. we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not, it, it's prime time and it's not meant for kids, but we're not going to do that anyway. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I love The Land of Chocolate. The Land of Chocolate is legendary. It's probably the one thing that everybody still remembers about this episode. Because that oh, yeah. whole sequence is just so bizarre and so weird. And I love how in The Land of Chocolate, okay, where everything, including the roads, everything is made of chocolate, right? Mm -hmm. Homer, Homer completely loses his shit when he, you know, approaches a store that is selling chocolate at half price. <laughs> like, I, I, I just find that very funny it's so yeah. it's, such a, it's such a ridiculous notion because he can get chocolate anywhere <laughs> right he can literally just turn around and like pick up like that pick up a leaf from the bush there and eat that and that's chocolate and so like i've always found that really funny you know like everything is chocolate you know he picks up the bunny bites into the bunny the bunny keeps walking that's hilarious and then he like walks up oh, chocolate half price and i just uh, i i've always found that to be an extremely funny thing it's interesting like so you looked this up this wasn't in the original script no it says uh, in the original script the land of chocolate sequence was absent though the dialogue that set it up was present so it was like something they just decided to throw in there and so i think that's kind of what what makes it so, you know it's it obviously they have dream sequences or moments where they're imagining something, including when, you know, Homer's imagining what he can spend $25 on. They have things like that that sure. are very, like, you know, sometimes almost like Family Guy where it's like, remember that time I did this thing or this is me thinking of something? And so yeah, I, think the it, I think, yeah, the cutaways, they, it makes complete sense that they would throw that in here because th there's so much opportunity to do, you know, do something fun and crazy and weird, and they do. Like, to me, that 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 is the kind of humor that speaks to me the most, is something like The Land of Chocolate. And yet, at the same time, it was probably something they kind of did last minute, which is crazy. Yeah, right. I mean, because the thing about the episode, it, it actually is very tight. Like, it, it's very, yeah. um, you know, it, it it's pretty, you know, it's pretty chock full of stuff, and it has this really abrupt ending, right? And then it just ends, which tells me that they... They came in just, just on the wire. Like they, they came in just on time for to fill in their 23, 22 minute block, right? So it is possible that they said to themselves, okay, that they had the script, they did the table read or whatever, and somebody must have said, all right, well, we've got about, we've got you know, 21 minutes. We can stick another minute in here, like, and and somebody said, how about if Homer, uh, when when they're talking about the land of chocolate, how about if Homer has this elaborate dream? of what the land of chocolate is and that is um that turns out to be the, the highlight of the episode so it is interesting that it's not something that was planned but uh but there it is and it becomes a very memorable element and speaking of things that are planned like this aired this episode aired late in late 91 and this aired just as basically just as the soviet union was dismantling uh the berlin wall had already come down you know two years prior uh, so it's a little bit intriguing that they have these Germans and they're talking about the East and the West, you know, like when Homer runs into the Germans at the bar and yeah. besides making a very, a very perceptive comment about American beer being swill, uh, <laughs> you know, which it was definitely true in 91, not so true now with all the craft beers that have been kind of popping up. And uh, I think yeah, you can no now say, yeah, it's like now, like over the past decade, finally, Americans have good beer. It's not 
it's not corporate, not, you know, it's not the big brands, but there, there's tons of great beer. But in any case, back in 91, what the Germans said is probably something very true. Apologies to all the MGD fans out there who, you know, uh, you probably order a picture of that every time you go to the to the bar, and that's fine. But, you know, um, the Germans are correct in this episode, at least circa 1991. But it, but it's interesting to me that they that they focus on this sort of, let's say, geopolitical issue in a, in a kind of subtle way, I guess. But I wonder if they were thinking about that at all when they wrote, like when this episode was written and when it was produced, because uh, animated shows take longer, or did at least back then, take a lot longer to produce than live action shows. And so this aired in December of 91, but it was probably being produced uh, earlier, much earlier in the year. So one wonders, like, was that on their mind at all? Did that play into why they chose to make the characters German? Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't consider that. It's, it's, it's funny, like, you know, my brain, for, particularly for this episode, was mainly all on the surface kind of stuff. Hmm. Not really hmm. thinking, like, hmm, was this a commentary on something? But obviously that you can read it that way, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was on their minds because it's, you know, just generally thought about at the time. But I, I got to say that um, it's one of the highlights, too, here is certainly the idea that uh, Mo can't recognize Bart's voice when he actually shows up in person. Like, you keep thinking, oh, how could... That's such a distinctive voice. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> how could well, Mo not recognize that? That's the per that's the one who's been prank calling him this whole time. That, that's that's a great gag. That's a great gag. And you almost think because um, the the whole concept of the prank phone calls, you know, uh, Bart calling Mo was such a pervasive thing in the show during oh, its yeah. first during its first three seasons, and eventually that I think sort of disappears. It's no longer a running gag. So, and I think even as we got here, it was already starting to kind of taper off. Now, this doesn't have my favorite uh, prank call. The, my favorite prank call is the one in the Halloween special, which is, you know, in Treehouse of Horror 2 from this season. That's my favorite overall prank call because it's so absurd. But what this does have is my favorite comeback because Mo always comes up with these sadistic <laughs> sort of comebacks. So this, this has my favorite one. You know, oh, like yeah. if I if I ever get my hands on you, I'm going to use your head for a bucket and paint my house with your brains. That is my favorite Mo comeback. That's such a cold blooded. So <laughs> it's such a dark thing to say to someone. Um, but then, of course, it plays into the fact that he's such a clueless. Uh, he's such a clueless fool who doesn't even recognize this voice that he's been hearing regularly, and like doesn't recognize it when he hears it on the phone. Assuming he already knows him, you know, he knows that that's Homer's son. And uh, doesn't recognize it, doesn't realize. I mean, he just called him like minutes before. It's part of the gag, obviously, to set up the whole suspense of that moment. But it is very funny that he doesn't recognize Bart. You're right. Yeah, and seeing uh, Mr. Burns at the bar and Homer almost having a catharsis, like lashing out at him. Yeah. It's yeah. a pretty, pretty good moment. And then that leads to the realization that Burns needs that plant back. So it's like, oh, Homer sort of. <laughs> pretty much instigated that, like just the uh, epiphany that Burns has. So it's like Homer essentially got helped get his own job back by doing what he does in the bar. That's right. And, and you know, and uh, Burns hires him back to keep him close because he plans to one day 
exact his revenge for being humiliated. But actually, since you brought it up, that's actually another point. He's, scenes like that, like Homer lashing out at Burns and saying, you know, like, you, you, sold, you know, I lost my job just so you could have your another $100 million or whatever it is. I think that's also a pointed commentary, you know, on, on the fact that when mm. corporations, when corporations uh, merge, you know, and they like either, a, you know, a, an international corporation does like a, like buy something or when you have mergers, you have things like that, people do lose their jobs. I mean, it's not, not necessarily like in Homer's case, it's because of his incompetence. If Homer had been, had demonstrated himself to be a, a competent worker, the Germans wouldn't have fired him. But I do think that it's trying to, to say something about that. It's, yeah, it's trying to, to use Homer to reflect the reality of, you know, when you have these international mergers and people losing their jobs, not unlike, you know, a, uh, a movie like Ron Howard's movie Gung Ho, you know, about which is mm -hmm. crit criticizing the automobile industry and how that's what happens. You know, when you have like the Japanese company come to the little factory in middle America and people are, you know, losing their jobs because they can't keep up with the work ethic. It, it, this is always what is commented on, right? Uh, this episode definitely touches on those issues, but I just feel that although it's a very funny episode full of great gags like we've been highlighting, it didn't quite, like, I do think that a later episode probably would have gone a little deeper or at least a little sharper. You know, I've been like, yeah. if this is what we're talking about, it, if this is what we're talking about, let's go all the way. Let's really talk about this. You know, let's not talk about Burns being depressed. Let, let's talk about this, you know, about yeah. the idea of, of Burns for corporate reasons selling the plan. Not because not, not he's depressed or whatever, but let, let's, let's sort of really observe corporate politics. And I think that, that that's... Uh, yeah, that's that's the flaw in the episode, I guess. But it's it's a very funny episode, regardless. Oh sure, no, it definitely has great moments, great character interactions, great things throughout the episode. But I wouldn't necessarily put it in my you know top favorites or the top ten. Uh, but it's it's interesting too. It's like this is a this is a show that you know if you I'm, prob I'm pretty sure anybody can take it too. It's like there's sociology courses at certain colleges now that just talk about the Simpsons, you know, and that, that, that they're able to like, I think it's like even at university of California in Berkeley, where they use this episode to examine issues of the production and reception of cultural objects. <laughs> and, you know, talk about like, we're talking about, you know, certain aspects of American society and capitalism and corporations and things like that. So it's pretty great that, there are professors out there. I don't know if it's just at this college, but I, th I feel like that I keep hearing that colleges do offer an entire course on The Simpsons and tie it into sociology or something along those lines, which is really cool and really great. Because that's like combining real life with pop culture and you know, sort of finding a really interesting marriage between the two and what it says about uh, American society is... You can find that here. You can find that in pretty much every episode, I would say. But this one here is definitely more character and gag driven, and uh, you know, and, and it works for the most part. Yeah, definitely does. I mean, it's testament to the quality of the show, like we were saying at the start, that you can use this for like a a legit college course. You can you can base an entire college course, sociology or whatever, you can base it around Simpsons because there's such richness in 
their episodes, that they touch on these on these subjects that are, you know, that has such a wide breadth of like topics and. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is testament to the quality of the show that that can happen. Uh, we've had a really nice discussion about The Simpsons, and you're definitely going to be back. But now what I would like you to do is to tell our listeners where they can find you to hear you talk about other things. I'm all over the place. Uh, but you can basically find links to everything that I do over at nowplaynetwork.net, uh, which also uh, will take you to directorsclubpodcast.com. A lot of great content coming from there recently. And I also uh, love to, you know, rate movies over on Letterboxd. So check me out there at Now Playing Jim. All right, great. And I'll be sure to provide links for all that in the episode description. And I want to second the recommendation. Check out the, the, the podcast network and especially the Directors Club, which is one of my personal favorite podcasts. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great to have you here. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk. Uh, with you, and I look forward to our next conversation. Well, I wish the candy machine wasn't so picky about taking beat-up dollar bills, because a lot of workers really like candy. We understand, Homer. After all, we are from the land of chocolate. Mmm, the land of chocolate. Chocolate, half price. La, 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 la. Mr. Simpson. La, 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 la. Mr. Simpson. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. We were talking about chocolate? That was ten minutes ago. So that's it for this week's installment of The Simpsons Countdown. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this, consider showing your support. It's really very simple. Give us a like or a favorable rating. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Anchor FM, and other podcasting platforms, so adding a brief review, if possible, might actually help boost the podcast's profile. And if it isn't too much trouble, please do share this with all your friends on social media. Speaking of social media, you can follow the Eric's Antoine Network on Facebook or subscribe to it on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Eric's Antoine Net, and feel free to find me and follow me on Letterboxd, where I frequently post film reviews you may or may not agree with. That's up to you. You should also definitely check out NowPlaying.net to enjoy any number of great podcasts featuring Jim Laskowski, not the least of which is The Director's Club, in which the entire career of a given filmmaker is discussed by Jim and one of his many erudite guests. I myself had the pleasure of talking about M. Night Shyamalan with him for a good chunk of time, so why not start with that one? Or anyone, really, but you really should check out that podcast network and follow Jim on Letterboxd, and I'll be providing links for all of that in the episode description. I'm Eric's Antoine, and I'll be back next week to discuss I Married Marge, a flashback episode that takes us to the early days of Homer and Marge's marriage. My good friend Josh Fine will be on hand to talk about that, and I hope you'll join us. In the meantime, stay safe out there, get vaccinated if you can. See you soon. Das ist Berlin, Berlin. 
Die ewig junge Stadt, das ist Berlin, Berlin, die meine Liebe. Shh.